Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Connection, where industry expert Doug Plucknett interviews global leaders from the maintenance and reliability industry. Each week, new leaders will join us with insights and tips to help you grow in your career, and they'll share a good story or two while they're at it as well. The Leadership Connection is produced by the industry's leading networking and learning community, Mobius Connect. Doug, over to you. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever time it happens to be that you're tuning into this podcast. I'm Doug Plucknett with the Leadership Connection. And today I have a world-renowned guest, Susan Greenman. How are you doing, Susan? Oh, I'm absolutely, absolutely wonderful. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, Doug. I, I, I've wished for this moment for a long time, so it's really good to be here. Yeah, we have been going back and forth with calendars a little bit, haven't we? <laughs> we have. <laughs> Took such a long time to work this out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, today we're going to talk about leadership with Susan and uh, a bit about her career and hopefully some stories about uh, where she's been and uh, how she got to where she at, is today and uh, a little bit about uh, some of the things that she might have going on uh, right now and in the future. So uh, we'll get started with, uh, I always um, like to ask people starting out, uh, tell me about your background, Susan, where you went to school, companies you've worked for, and some of the roles that you've worked in. Oh, that's that's really interesting um, for interesting question to be, to answer. Um, I started in Jamaica. So I'm Jamaican, first and foremost. Let me put that on the table. And so I was born and bred in Jamaica, including um, all the way up to university and my first job. Uh, so I went to university at the University of Technology in Kingston, Jamaica, and uh, <clears throat> I think uh, first year there, I got a scholarship from a company called Carve Cement. And so I went to work with them in the summers, and uh, afterwards, the last summer, I just stayed. They just kept me in from temp to, they couldn't shake me. I, I was just so happy to have a job, and, and they couldn't shake me. So. Um, so I did, I think, eight and a half years there, and I, I that was my first job, and I will always credit that company for even a fair amount of my upbringing as well. So it, it's tough to think about a company in that way, but I think about the older folks there, and it's almost as if they raised me when it when it comes to, to that aspect, because I went there so young. I started going there at about 17 for, for the summers. And so they taught me to drive, you know, helped me to buy my first car, that kind of thing. And it was also where I stepped into a leadership role um, for the first time in, in that company. So a lot of my development happened there. Um, it, a lot of things that um, we took for granted there, I certainly took for granted while I was there. I realized the importance of it later. But I then left, um, from there and I migrated to Puerto Rico uh, and and this was a treat because I had been studying Spanish and thinking how how was I ever going to use all the Spanish that I that I was learning and then suddenly out of the blues somebody who I had met at a conference just uh, sent me an email and and said well we have this vacancy in Puerto Rico what's going on would would you consider coming over and I was like would I consider that's a treat. I mean, buy my ticket and I'm there. So I moved to Puerto Rico and um, stayed there. It turns out that the, the job didn't um, work out the way I um, had anticipated it. So I left after, I think, seven months. And right at about, uh, let me see, about 
five months in, uh, a friend called me from F.L. Smith and said, what are you doing? They're, they're hiring at F.L. Smith. And I'm like, what, really? And so I bounced out of there and, and I went to Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I stayed okay. there for, um, for a little bit and um, really so the got first snowfall? First snowfall? <laughs> <laughs> my, my co-workers made a really big deal of, okay, Suzanne, it's coming. Let's go to the window and see what that looks like. And, <laughs> so, and, and they were awesome. It was, I think, an amazing, really an amazing exposure. And um, the first, the first, my first uh, A&E experience, so dealing with clients and trying to fulfill clients' requirements. Again, didn't know how important that would be. Um, be in my future but so and that ended I think after just about um, two years and I moved back to the Caribbean but this time I moved to Trinidad and um, spent some time there I, I um, went back into cement again I mean FL Smith is cement as well just on the OEM side of it and so I went back now into cement manufacturing and Again, wealth of experience there, and Trinidad is a fantastic country for those who haven't uh, been there. And then while I was there again, spent uh, I thought I would have spent like two years, and it ended up going into four and a half years. But right about the four-year mark, um, I saw a position in Bermuda, and I thought, ooh, that's exciting. It's exotic over there. How about that? Uh, I'd just gotten married and, and we thought, well, we didn't have any kids, so why not, you know, aim for an adventure. And so we hopped over Bermuda and we spent three amazing years there. And then from there we came to, um, we came to Canada and that's just been a fantastic journey. So Viola is the name of the company that brought me to Canada. Um, so when I left Belco in, in Bermuda, I moved to Winnipeg with with uh, Veolia, uh, spent I think two and a half years there and then went into my own company. I thought it was really time to transition and really take, take a good gamble on myself this time. So I, I thought, you know, I've been doing this for other organizations. What, what could this look like doing this um, for myself? And what could that freedom, and the freedom that I was really looking for is to be able to work with clients and, and develop solutions the way I wanted to de, um, develop them, you know, not being cumbered down by, by what happens in an organization naturally and the many layers of administration and bosses and so on. And uh, so I, I did that and I was really fortunate to have landed my first contract with a major company here in Winnipeg within um, three months. So that, that was pretty exciting. And, and it's been um, really going strong since that time, yeah. Well, I've got to tell you, that was really gutsy because I can tell you that when I started out, uh, I used up some vacation um, to go place some visits and get some purchase orders. I had three purchase orders before I finally gave the two-week notice to East Kodak Company. So <laughs> to just say, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. And uh, that, that takes a lot of nerve and a lot of guts and uh I give you credit for that. It's an amazing thing, and it's a great transition to to go out and work for yourself. I I can attest to that. So it, it is. It is. Um, looking at uh, 
leadership, and I know you said that at the very first companies where you first were recognized as a leader, uh, what project were you working on and, and what about, brought about that recognition as a leader? What made somebody say, oh, wow, this Susan, she's pretty sharp. We ought to uh, see what, what more she has to offer here. So I think um, I started out as a, as a technician, so, so that was very interesting. And when I complete, I went back to school, completed my degree, and then I kind of said um, to my boss, what's up? And he was like, oh, well, um, let's see if we can get, um, you know, the electrical team organized. And how about um, we have people coming down to help us to upgrade to PLCs, and we don't really know what's going on with that and stuff. And it was very interesting because I was placed with the with the the, the folks who are doing this um, this PLC thing more as a translator. Because if anybody has ever been to um, Jamaica, then you know how how thick our accent is um, when you're unfamiliar with it. I could have never so... guessed that you were from there. <laughs> well. You know, we uh, us New Yorkers get the same thing, but I'm an upstate guy, so I, so I don't have the New York. Exactly. <laughs> so, and so um, the the I think the the person, the service provider that came down um, had a very also a very thick Latin accent, and so they kind of um, thought that since I spoke Spanish and and. Uh, my Jamaican accent is a little bit levelized, then, okay, sure, put Suzanne with this guy. And so I was there mainly as a as a translator, but in the three weeks that was there, I, I actually learned how to program PLCs. And so coming out of... ...that um, my boss kind of looked on and said, well, yeah, I think you could transition to the next level. And strangely enough, he also says that you do actually need to really train somebody to do it as good as you, because otherwise you won't be able to move. And that was kind of one of my first leadership lessons as well, that uh, um, you're not really going to get very far if you try to keep everything inside of your head. So he kind of hammered that into my head really, really early. All right, that's a excellent advice that we have yet to have somebody give, and it's amazing that it hasn't been because it really is one of those things that you go, you've seen people, I'm sure, in their careers that that hold on to that stuff, and they say, oh, you know, if I if I tell everybody this, then I won't be of any value, right? And, and it works the opposite. Like, you know, yeah. I'm I'm somebody on on LinkedIn. You always see me sharing information, always doing webinars, you know, always uh, writing an article or or something. And it's it's not that I think I know it all because a lot of research goes into you know writing those articles and so on. So it's not just me speaking about it. But I think first the first way to demonstrate that you know something is actually to teach it to somebody. And if you can exactly. actually explain it to somebody who doesn't understand it and teach it to them in a way that they can in turn understand it that's when you actually know that you know and in doing that even some of the research that you do to be able to do that really um bolster your knowledge in that particular area so i think um you know one of the first things that you think about in in leadership is people sometimes think well how do i get to the top the the, the way to actually build a legacy is to help as many people as you can really that's that's the way to build a legacy so 
looking at your career, the span of it, um, are there a couple people that you'd like to recognize that you saw as mentors and, and basically helped launch uh, you to where you are today? It's amazing. It's so many, so many people have helped me mm -hmm. that it's hard for me to consider how much I've contributed to where I am. Even the, the drive to, to fight for things and so on actually came from other people. And I could start with, with my mom who, you know, one of 16 children and really changed the path of her, her, her entire family because she came from a rural farming community and that was supposed to be her destiny. And she ended up going to college, which, which was unheard of. So my mom first and, and foremost, and then I've had a series of really, really amazing bosses who, and one in, in particular um, was one of the first general managers that I ever connected with, who was somebody that I think taught me to, to read, like really, really read, like good business books, like go, go look into, um, Jack Welsh's book and, and go look into Lou Gerstner's book about IBM and don't just read it to the thing. Look, look at how they transform their organizations. Look at how businesses are built. Sorry, look at how people come from the, the lows and, and, and come back and look at how leadership is done. And then you'll, you'll start to understand the real business world as, as being a little bit different from sometimes how it appears to, in, in people's mind. And so I think that was the first time that I recognize a mentor because um, it was a little bit more deliberate. He not only said, go read a book, he actually prescribed book. He also gave me the books that he was reading. And that was amazing for me to, to see an executive at the highest level of the organization shared books with me. He didn't say go read, you know, what, whatever people would tell engineers to read, go read a technical book or whatever. He actually gave me the books that he was reading. And, and that was amazing for me. Very good. Um, so speaking of books and courses, are there one or two that you'd like to talk about or recommend that you say, hey, there's, there's a course or a book that I read or I took that made a difference in my career? I would say um, Winning by Jack Welsh um, is, is a book that I keep going back to. There's also um, Who Says the Elephant Can't Dance by Lou Gerstner. That's the, so the Jack Welsh one is a GE story when they were trying to break up GE and you know that fight to keep it as one company. And then the Who Says the Elephant Can't Dance, that's the IBM story. And they're kind of right around the same time period. On a personal um, level, uh, there are a few books. Uh, recently, I read um, The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. That was life-changing for me. Um, the Medici Effect by um, Franz Johansson, that also was, was life-changing. If you ever, um, if you're into business and into organizations, you're into innovation, you're into ideas, then you'll kind of see that in the age that we live in, um, no single disciplinary stream or disciplinary person will generate that innovation. So innovation kind of happens at intersections. So that's been really good. On a personal note, I like to understand people and people's motivations. 
And so if you're into that, I would definitely recommend 48 Laws of Power. And I'll tell you that that book so offended me the first time I opened it. I actually went back and, and opened it again some months later and went back again until I was able to understand it's not telling me how to be. It's, it's, I can learn from that how different people are and different um, tactics to, to, to deal with people. Supremely though, I am a highly spiritual person, so I'm, I'm centered around spiritual philosophies and my, I'd have to say, the center as, as how my mom had raised me is gonna be the Bible. And not just for the religious part of it, but for the tremendous um, lessons around life and around, and around people. So those are kind of the books that have been, that have resonated with me. I mean, there are many more because I read a whole, whole lot, a whole lot. Yeah, so I could I tell people that there's uh, probably um, right now I'm I'm on an uh, an off thing because I got a couple little personal projects that I'm working on, but when I'm out and I'm traveling, I'm two to three book a week person, yeah. right? Yeah. And they'll go, how many? And I say, well, there's not so much that you can do when you're traveling and you're in a hotel room. You know, right. you can go to the bar and get drunk every night. That's not very good for you, right? <laughs> or you can watch TV, and we all know what's on there is not very good. No. You know, you can, or you can sit back and read. So I said, you know, if I'm someplace warm, I go outside, I find a chair or a bench to sit on, and I can read for quite some time. And, uh until the mosquitoes get bad enough and that's, <laughs> that's back inside so yeah okay. yeah and it's it's that's the reality there there i think two main ways there are many ways to to open your your mind um reading a book that transports you without the pictures and allows you to form your mental pictures of what's happening in the story I think is um, a supreme way to do that. And then absolutely the other way is to travel as much as you can, but also talk to as many people as you can and, and you know, find interesting people. Now I, I see interesting people all the time on LinkedIn and I just send them a message and I find you interesting. Can we just have like a half an hour chat about that thing that you just put up, you know, or, I'm gonna put on a webinar somewhere and I'd, I'd love to have you speak because I think what I just saw, what I just heard is super, you know, superbly interesting and, and I think a lot of people should hear it. So stay with, stay with interesting people, stay with interesting ideas and eventually you will, you will evolve yourself into being a very rounded and, and, and global person, which, you know, bringing it back to leadership, then allows you to have something to bring to the table and have that, to be able to reach people and have that relationship. Because, you know, leadership first and foremost is about meeting yourself where you're at and leading yourself before, before you get involved with other people. So, I have to tell you, I. I asked that question about the books for selfish reasons, right? Okay. I'm always looking for something something new, right? I wrote down a couple of the titles that, that you mentioned that I know I haven't read. Um, I also get people that question me, you know, when they hear these or they see me at a conference, I go, 
say you read all the time. It, like you must have read every business book out there. And I go, oh, no. When I no. say two to three. <laughs> would, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I am always looking for those good business ones to pick up and say, okay, there's there's one that I haven't heard of. And uh, from doing this, I, I picked up at least a dozen. And, oh, uh, that's amazing. So it makes uh, makes for good conversation. Hopefully for our listeners, you know, they write those down as well. Um, so I'm going to bounce ahead a little bit here and um, talk about uh, <laughs> at this point in your career, what would you say is your greatest success? In my career, I'd say my greatest success would have to be um, persons that I've met, that I've interacted with, that have turned around and told me um, maybe not the same time, maybe years later, what a difference my career and my leadership made to them. And it is about <clears throat> how they were able to transform themselves. So, you know, I, I celebrate the stories of uh, a machinist in, in Bermuda that I hired um, as a planner. So the person was in the organization <clears throat> as a machinist. And then I turn around when I left the job, that person eventually became the mechanical um, superintendent with responsibilities for both um, planning and execution, and now has gone on to yet another role in the organization. I think about um, an electrician in Trinidad who um, I hired um, into the planning role in Trinidad, and then that person I eventually hired over to Bermuda as well um, with me, and then that person became the electrical superintendent, and just just these amazing stories. I think about um, a, a supervisor from the plant in Jamaica who told me, remember when you had developed this motor database and I came to you and I said, I wanted to do something similar for gearboxes. And I said, no, I don't. I said, well, well, you helped me set it up from, from um, scratch and it's what we're using today. And, and, and I find those stories amazing. So that is what I, I find rewarding in my career. You know, not, not so much about me or, or stuff, but the people that reach out to me and, and let me know. And, and now there's so many people around the world that reach out, they send me emails, they send me messages on LinkedIn to say, I really admire you, I admire what you're doing for asset management, I admire what you're doing in business and so on. But that, that's, that's what really would be the, the pinnacle of my career. That is a fantastic point of view, I have to say that, Susan, because I know there are a lot of things out there that, that you have done. Uh, your book, some some of the presentations that I've seen at conferences and uh, uh, some of the articles that you've written, um, lots of people do talk about their own things, and it really is, um, there's nothing better than than hearing from other people that, uh, hey, you had an impact on, on where I am today, and I appreciate that. That it is just... Uh, it's a fantastic feeling. It's really, um, as a consultant, I think what uh, the best consultants, that's, that's what they live for. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, those wins that we have at plants, those are fantastic, right? It's nice to see, uh, you know, a change in OEE and a place change from reactive culture to uh, to being proactive, but it really comes down to the individuals that's, uh, that make what we do worthwhile. So, Susan, I'd like to thank you today. We've actually used up our time at one point quickly. 
<laughs> I can tell you that, uh, you know, Mobius has been doing these uh, WOW events, the week of webinars, and I, I believe you have, have actually done one of those for them. Uh, the last one we did, we had uh, uh, a leadership roundtable and yes. uh, a discussion there. And if we have one of those in the future, I would certainly uh, be contacting you because uh, your story is, is is a great one. Your attitude oh, wow. and your influence on people is has just been incredible. And I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Just reach out and let me know. I'm I'm always happy to participate, you know, in the community of practice. It's what we're here for. So thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciated the invitation and it's been good. All right. So this has been Doug Plucknett with the Leadership Connection. Have a great day and tune in again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Leadership Connection. We will see you back for another episode next week. In between, we hope to see you in the Mobius Connect community where you can meet Doug and share with other industry professionals at MobiusConnect.com. We'll see you there.